This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Okay, Top Tribe, this week's winner of the 100 bucks that I give away every Monday is Kim Dust. She's in the entertainment industry and is currently working a full-time day job and doing her side hustle on the side. Kim, congrats. For you, here's a chance to win 100 bucks every Monday. Simply subscribe to the podcast on iTunes now and then text the word Nathan to 33444 to officially enter. Again, text the word Nathan to 33444 after you subscribe. Many people ask me what tool I used to sell my first company, Heyo. The answer is thetopinbox.com. I used it to send emails, schedule emails to be sent out later, and set reminders inside my inbox so I would know when potential buyers were actually interested, and I easily remember to follow up with ones that hadn't replied to me. You can try it for free at thetopinbox.com. Nathan Latke here. This is episode 538. Coming up tomorrow morning, you'll learn from Darren Pierce with Detail Insights, which he bootstrapped, and now it's doing 1.4 million bucks in annual recurring revenue by selling e-commerce data. Top Tribe, good morning. Nathan Latke here, and you're really going to enjoy our guest this morning. We've got both James and Larry with us with Next.io. Specifically, James, the founder of Next.io. He previously worked at IBM, Socialware, SailPoint Technologies, studied at Berkeley, and now builds software that he really hopes people are using uh, or start using every single day. James, Larry, are you ready to take us to the top? Yes, we are. Yeah. Larry, I neglected you. Tell us real quick, what's your background? What do you do at Next? Well, I just joined Next for the last two weeks. I am the new CEO, and I'm a go-to-market guy. And uh, I've been able to work with James and the other co-founder, the two fantastic technologists and product guys. And I'm helping them uh, basically build a business around the idea and then raise the Series A to take us to market. Did you just uh, my background, Yeah, my background is uh, multiple CEO. Uh, my last company was acquired by Cloudera in Palo Alto. And uh, we're taking some of the big data concepts that I was involved with there and applying it to sales effectiveness. So, Larry, do you typically, are you kind of an entrepreneur residence at these companies? Then when they fund a company, you go in as CEO. Is that how it works or no? Well, I've been a CEO uh, in a serial fashion. And the founders were looking to build out the team and really take it from a concept and a technology to a business. And they uh, reached out to me and I joined. And so I'm part of the team to help them get to market. My plan will be to stay with them through whatever that exit is and uh, grow this to a significant, important player in the market. James, you've got to be pretty uh, self-empathetic and egoless to say, I, we started this thing, but let me go reach out and bring a CEO in. What was going through your brain? And were you, were you truly that humble? I, I mean, it's interesting. Like, as a founder, it's all about solving problems. I think if you're a founder and you realize that you, you need to go get other people to solve problems for you, um, that was really how I was thinking about it. Larry's much better at the go-to-market than I am. And now I get the opportunity to learn from him for next time. So it's great. So walk us through kind of the, the, the reason for founding the business. When did you guys find the business and, and what does it do? 
Yeah, so we, we started uh, a year and some change, about 14 months ago is when we started. And really, you know, if you were to think high level, uh, I'll give you an analogy, right? Um, so so let's, say, let's say you're driving someplace. Um, first thing you're going to do is get in your car, pull out your phone, load up Google Maps, and, and basically it's going to tell you turn by turn how to get where you're going. And, you know, if you've hooked up your calendar, you can even bring in other information like, hey, leave now, you're going to be late. There's a police officer along the way. Here's a coffee shop you like to stop at, right? All that information is being uh, packaged for you, um, you know, building up the context. And then, you know, you, you get to work, you open up your laptop, you get a cup of coffee, you sit down and everything's up to you. And that just doesn't make sense to me. Right. Why isn't there something that's helping me identify like, hey, I didn't get my TPS report done on time. I, you know, I need to reply to my boss. I need to get I need to respond to this customer. Where, where is my stream of things I need to get done at work? Uh, and, and so it's really, you know, the name of the company. What's next? You know, Next.io is, is out of that idea of software technology helping you be more effective by knowing what to do next. So is it right to put this in the category of like a to-doist or kind of these productivity kind of apps, a sunrise, a Calendly, is that right or no? I, I think, you know, those, those tools are really focused on uh, helping, helping you do the work. We're focused on helping you measure and understand what's effective. And so we're really more of the analytics on top of a tool like that. So we're not trying to necessarily like, help you send emails. We're trying to analyze what emails are effective. What kinds of customers work? Uh, what, what kinds of customers are your best customers? Who should you be talking to? Those kinds of things. Okay, and uh, pre-revenue or post-revenue? Pre-revenue. Pre you raised capital. How much have you raised? We've raised a million dollars of seed round. Okay. And we'll be looking to raise a Series A in the June timeframe of 2017. And Larry, was that a convertible note or was it an equity round in the seed round? It was convertible note. We actually did two convertible notes is as we de-risked the deal, we went back to the market and got more money on even better terms. So you so didn't roll the first one. You closed the first one, got better terms, maybe a 15% discount instead of a 25% and then did an additional round. Exactly. Got it. Was it a discount rate decrease? Is that, that, is that what you mean when you say you got better terms? Discount rate decrease as well as the valuation cap. Got James, this guy's good. That <laughs> <laughs> Very good. All right. Walk us through. So this is fascinating to me because what I'm looking at right now, watching YouTube, this is usually the largest point of conflict in most businesses. So like it would be remiss if I didn't try and get a better understanding of kind of how you guys are working together, because I think there's probably some really good lessons there. Larry, I imagine you've had stories, maybe don't name the company, but in the past where you've come into a company as CEO and it just like wasn't smooth. When that happens, what is the most obvious reasons that they don't work? Well, I actually haven't had that experience. It's been quite the opposite. Come but on, I, Larry. Give me something I'll good here. You, I'll give you dirt. I'll give you dirt. Trust <laughs> me. I've also been an advisor for venture capitalists to kind of unwind uh, giant cat hairballs. But, but specifically, here's kind of a message to the entrepreneurs that are listening. So at some point, a founder determines that they need some assistance and then decides what they add to the team. And in this case, like before in my career, the founders approached me and said, this is what we want you to bring the team. And they were self-actualized to do that. Then there's just simply a discussion that says, how are we going to work together? And for me, it was, let's agree that we're never going to fight for the steering wheel. If you're going to give up control, let me drive. 
And if they're not comfortable with it, the entrepreneur shouldn't do that. And that's okay. And some entrepreneurs do that, some don't. When talking about your things, when things typically go wrong, it's the converse of that. It's when there's co-CEOs, co-presidents, that just never works. At the end of the day, someone has to take the accountability and responsibility and drive. You can always get feedback from the founders because they have the original vision. And quite frankly, I believe the vision stays in the ongoing growth of the business. The responsibility of vision stays the founders. So let me let me fire a question at you to try and really bring this to ground and make this real. Uh, you guys raise a Series A. Uh, TechCrunch is going to do an article. Which one of you is quoted in the article? If it's about the strategy of the business and what we're going to do with the funds, it's myself, the CEO. If it's about the product and the value prop that's going to provide for our targets, then it is definitely James, who is okay. now the strategy. So if you're going out to raise a Series A, Larry, and uh, and there's a, a VC who's very invested, but says you've got to have this aspect of the product, but James might disagree with that from a product kind of vision perspective. How, how do you anticipate something like that being resolved? Right. So first of all, when we go on our Series A roadshow, we're going to go together because uh, I believe I've done this enough times that uh, the team is as important as the technology. To your specific thing, if they have a feedback on the technology and the product, I want James to consider that and present it to me. I will look for James to that expertise. But if there's a conflict at the end of the day, I've got to make the decision. And if I'm wrong, which happens, I'll take accountability and we'll move on. But I believe letting people do their jobs. So product direction at this company is James. So James, when you did the the seed round of the million, it sounds like Larry, you were already involved at that point, right? Just the tail end, really. The the biggest clump of that, 750K of uh, James did that. Okay. So James, was there a contingency by those folks that you needed to have kind of a CEO so you could focus on product or is that a decision you purely made by yourself? No, it was a decision we made by ourselves. Okay. Um, actually, so like uh, Y Combinator just had a really good article in the last week or so. It's basically like, what's the CEO's second job for a startup? So the first job of a startup CEO is to, to build a product. You know, the second job is to build a company. And looking at those two jobs, um, I, I, you know, I felt like I was the best person to build the product, but I wasn't necessarily the best person to build the company. And so we started looking around to solve the problem. That's great. And you said we, by the way, do you have a third, uh, an original co-founder who's also a technical side? Yeah. So um, I'm a technical product manager. My co-founder is uh, like an architect type. Um, he's the one who's writing the code. Like and database architectures? Um, uh, application enterprise integration platforms. Got it. Okay, good. So, and then what, Larry, from your perspective, what incentivizes you to kind of do something like this? I mean, is it just like a, you're just giving a chance, it's equity out of the option pool, uh, James, from your side, and is that it, Larry? Well, you actually, first and foremost, Nathan, is what, what Next is doing is going to be a game changer. I was actually in the CRM space. I was an executive at Siebel Systems in California, and this product is targeted at sales managers and sales reps to help suggest next best steps as they're going through the sales cadence and the sales motion. And all of the CRM tools today are auditing and reporting tools. And so when we get this right, which I think we will by bringing in big data and machine learning, we're gonna actually give guidance on a day-to-day basis to managers on reps on what to actually do 
to make sales happen better, quicker, larger. So the first thing was, holy crap, I want to be involved in this. This is exciting. And then they, of course, made it worth my while on the cap table to participate. But I'm not a founder. They didn't split the company in third. That would not have been appropriate. So, so it's fair to say the incentive, just for other people considering James doing what you did, right? Maybe there's two technical co-founders listening going, I really need a business or the opposite. Two business guys going, I really need a technical guy to come in. It's fair right. to say it's, it's, you could do that for less than a third of the business. Absolutely. Okay, good. Very cool. Um, this is an interesting space because, I mean, you're just going to see with the bot technologies, there's a company called Pseudo, which I'm sure you guys have heard of. There's so many companies in the space right now. It's going to be fascinating to see who wins. And what I'm seeing right now, a lot of noise around are there's all kinds of data sets. There's data sets like you wouldn't believe. But whoever can figure out the best way to make recommendations from that data set, those are going to be the people that ultimately win. It sounds like you guys feel pretty good about that. Yeah. I, and, and really, like... Uh... So my background and, and my co-founder's background were enterprise integration platforms. And so we think that we can build a better data set. A lot of machine learning and recommendations, it comes down to what kinds of data you can collect. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the other players in the market, they've tended to focus on just the CRM alone. There's nothing that glues kind of, um, there's this concept of a system of record, system of engagement. Uh-huh. We're, we're trying to be a system of engagement for multiple systems of record. So if we can glue together marketing and sales or sales and customer success uh, and analyze and predict kind of actions out of both buckets, I, I think that will be the thing that, that really separates us from a lot of the other players in the space. Before we get into the famous five guys, which are the final five questions, Larry, what will you target for your Series A to raise? We're looking at six to seven million. Okay. And how do you go out and get, I mean, this is just a different world to me. I'm like a... Blacksburg, Southwest Virginia mountains kind of guy. I look at EBITDA margins and that's how I figure out what a company is worth. This, what you guys do is just like, what the hell is going on? How do you come up with a valuation on a kind of a pre-revenue business? I assume you're just using the technology and kind of the job experience or the work experience that you guys have. How do you get that valuation? Right. When you first, you really need to have a minimal viable product or what's referred to as MVP. You have to have some pilots that have used it, tested it and said, absolutely, this is going to be part of our business going forward. So you need validation from real potential customers. And then it's really about projecting the size of the market opportunity and the disruption that you're going to create. So, you know, going from a seed to a series A, it's not about, uh, you know, your break-even point or your EBITDA. It's really about how quickly can you grow top line on this amount of money to truly prove that's a viable business. And um, it, it takes the connection with a VC that shares that same vision and it either clicks or it doesn't. So I've, I've been doing this for a very long time, raised a bunch of money for different companies. If it doesn't click in the first or second meeting, it's probably not going to happen. Yep. Yep. What is the, do you guys ever worry about raising out of that? Like, let's say you raise 6 million. You only want to give up 20% of the business, right? So what, what does that come out to 30 million pre or 24 million pre 30 million post? If you build something that gets some good traction and Salesforce comes along and says, Hey, we'd love to buy this for 15 million bucks that James, I don't know if this is your first thing, but it would be meaningful money, but you'd have to say no because of the valuation you came in or yeah, Larry, maybe this is a question for you. Do you worry that you wouldn't be able to grow into evaluation, even if you're really great negotiators and get a big one? Uh, actually, no. What we're trying to do with Next is build a significant, important company that changes the way that sales managers and sales reps interact with all the data points in their business. We are not interested at a quick exit or a quick little pop to be an add-on to someone else's product. 
we are going to swing for the bleachers. I've had some other exits. Uh, the founders are also in a financial position to do this. We're going to build the next great company in sales effectiveness. Folks, I may have to stop doing the podcast. I will tell you why. I have found a business and I'm ready to go all in. It's the one I want to take public by the time I turn 30. It's called the topinbox.com. And here's why I know it's going to be big, very big. There are so many other companies charging way too much for this right now. Yesware, ToutApp, Boomerang. That's to do things like send later reminders and auto follow-ups for salespeople inside of your Gmail inbox. I'm doing it. I'm going to do it for free. We have so many people using it. It's growing so fast. And we do many of the things that salespeople love. We don't require people to leave the inbox to go log into a website. It's so simple to use. And I have to tell you, I mean, salespeople are like drooling over this thing. They're like licking the, the drool off their keyboard. They're loving this thing so much. The topinbox.com. Go install it now. Use it for free, people. Okay, I like you because you're listeners. Use it for free before I decide to start charging for it. Go right now to the top inbox. Box.com. Okay, Top Tribe, I have to tell you, many people go, Nathan, you came out of nowhere. Your website's growing so fast. How'd you do it? The answer is simple. So I use HostGator. I don't know if you guys know that yet, but I use HostGator. And the reason I do, they have like about 4,500 free templates I can use because I don't code. They've got a great e-commerce plugin. And guys, I bug the heck out of their support. They've got 24-7 support, which I love. So what I've done is I've worked with them. You guys know I make great deals. If you go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan, you can sign up, get your own domain for 30% off and a 45-day money-back guarantee. Okay, again, I make great deals for you guys. Go to hostgator.com forward slash Nathan to grab that now. All right, guys, I've thrown them all the tough questions. They hit them back. It's like beautiful. It's fun to watch. They're going to be successful. Guys, let's knock out these famous five real quick. I'll go back and forth. James, first one's to you. What's your favorite business book? Uh, actually, people wear. People wear. Number two, Larry, is there a CEO you're following or studying right now? Uh, my mentor is Jeff Miller, former CEO of Documentum. Uh, number three, James, is there a favorite online tool you have? Uh, yeah, actually, Clearbit. Yeah, that's a good one. Number four, uh, Larry, yes or no? Do you get eight hours of sleep every night? Uh, yes. Wow, okay, good. That's a good thing. And what's your situation? Married, single, do you have kids? James, you start. Uh, <laughs> I, I have two small kids, so you can do it. It's hard, but yeah. you can do it. Um, and I'm married. Uh, Larry, married, two kids, both uh, both out of the house, grown up. That's great. And James, how old are you? I'm 37. And Larry? 55. Awesome. Okay, so James, take us back. I'll do this to both of you guys. James, take us back uh, 17 years. What do you wish your 20-year-old self knew? Uh, so my 20-year-old self was at Berkeley. I was actually... Uh, on the varsity swim team and getting my electrical engineering computer science degree and basically just surviving one day at a time because holy shit, that was hard. So save us time, save us 17 years of our life. What's something you know now that you wish you knew then? Uh, you know, actually it's a build your network. There you go. If I could go back and, and have kept in touch and like, you know, kept track of a lot of the people back then, I'd be, I'd be further along and better off. Larry, same question to you. Take us back to your 20 year old self. Well, you have to remember that uh, this was the era of the Civil War. So, uh, <laughs> you know, I, I would have gotten a better horse. No. Um, 20 years self, I was at Texas A&M University uh, in ROTC, wanting to go into the Air Force. Happenstance came together. Instead, I went into computer systems business as a salesman selling Unix platforms way back in the early 80s. 
if I fast forward and I've seen all the businesses, both success and failures, I am absolutely convinced today the most important thing that matters is execution. It's not just the idea. It's the month over month, quarter over quarter business execution. Top drive. There you have it. We've got Larry and James. They're building next together. Something will be very exciting. They raised a million bucks of capital. Big tranche of 750, a second tranche of 250 on a convertible note. Looking to go out and raise a six to seven million dollar series A in the near future. They've got a beautiful thing going with kind of a CEO and then the the visionary kind of product uh, CTO working together to build something special. Guys, I appreciate you taking us to the top. Thanks. Thank you. All right. If you enjoyed James and Larry today, go back and listen to Justin McGill yesterday. He's raised $150,000, then his CTO left. Now he's cruising at 30 grand in monthly recurring revenue with his company, Leadfuse. Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars, and I have something special for you today. How many of you have heard our super sharp guests talk about success they've had with Facebook and Google ads? Well, all of you listening right now, yes, if you're listening, you get $100 in free AdWords. Here's how you get it, okay? Again, thanks for listening. Get the free $100 from Google, right when you sign up with my website host provider, HostGator. Go sign up now to get your free money, hostgator.com forward slash Nathan. Again, that's hostgator.com forward slash Nathan. Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you listen to any other episodes, subscribe on iTunes right now for your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday.